I heard that uh, all the guest speakers did a great job in my absence. Let's give them a big hand. Thank you guys and, and gals for filling in for me while I was gone. I appreciate it so much. Hey, listen, we have a very, very famous person here today. Uh, this person is in church for the very first time in his whole life. He is the son of Tara and Justin McLam, Zane Michael McLam. Would you guys stand up and let us see you? Where are you guys? Stand right up, right back there. Miracle, a miracle, a miracle adoption. Guys, we are so happy for you. Me and Millie prayed for you, and uh, I could never get online the whole time we were on vacation because she had to go check where you guys were in that process, and uh, we were praying for you. So happy for you. Amen, amen. You got to know that story. Hey, we'll let you tell that story. We'll make a video testimony. So go ahead and start getting nervous about that, okay? <laughs> the New Testament writer James is so concerned about the power of words that he writes about it in all five chapters of his little book toward the end of the New Testament. As we've discovered already in this series, James spends a large portion of chapter 3 dealing with uh, specifically the power of the tongue, the power of our words. Let's go back and do a quick review. We have discovered in chapter 3 that James gives us five compelling reasons why we need to make as one of our top priorities the Holy Spirit's control over our words, the Holy Spirit's control over our tongue, over our mouth. He gives us five reasons. We've talked about uh, two of those already, and today we will talk about the third one. First of all, he said, we need to control our tongue because of its potential to condemn us. It has a very powerful uh, potential to damage us and condemn us. We need to control our words, we learned secondly, because if we do not, our words have the potential to control us. So we went through that with great detail. Today we will talk about a third reason why we need to make sure that our mouth, our tongue, our words are under the control of the Holy Spirit. Now, this morning, I may use the term self-control, but what I really mean is Holy Spirit control. I gotta tell you, I do not want control of myself. I want the Holy Spirit to control me. And the people said, the tongue is very dangerous. James chapter three tells us that it is very dangerous. Now. In our previous studies, in verses two through three of James, I'm sorry, two through five of James three, he does not tell us there that the tongue is bad or that the tongue is good. He does not tell us there that our words are good or our words are bad. He simply tells us that our words are very powerful and that the tongue is a controlling member of our body. Our tongue has the power to dominate us, and it is the key to our behavior. Here's the point. Because of the tongue's power to control, it must be controlled. 
Because of the tongue's power to control us, we must invite the Holy Spirit every time we pray, every time we think about it, to have control of our tongue. It must be controlled. In part three of the sermon series today, James shows us that the tongue, because of its power to control, is a very dangerous thing. The power of the tongue to control can be good. As we teach the Bible, as the tongue is used to testify of the goodness of the Lord, the tongue can be a very, very, very good thing, but it can also be very, very dangerous. As we enter these next verses, we will pick up on a definite negative tone as James now begins to talk about the power of the tongue to hurt us. The power of the tongue to hurt those around us. Listen to this. The power of the tongue to set the course of our entire life. In verse 5, you remember, James said to us, even though the tongue is small, it boasts great things. Now you remember what I said about that. The reason the tongue boasts great things is because the tongue can do great things. So its boast is not empty. The tongue is proud of itself for what it can do. But then he followed at the end of that by saying, one little spark can destroy a great forest. And that is where he begins to talk to us about the destructive nature and the danger of the tongue. Fire and this is what James uses to illustrate the power of the tongue, fire. Fire is a fascinating thing. It has an amazing capacity to multiply. Fire and water are not the same. A cup of water will not suddenly turn into a flood, but a spark, one little match, can light a forest fire and burn down a whole city because fire multiplies quickly. Notice James did not say that our words are like water that can become a flood, but rather like a little spark that can start a fire so great that it would destroy a beautiful, huge forest. It multiplies quickly. So as we think about that, we remember some historical events. You all remember hearing about the great Chicago fire. I was reading about that, and on October 8th, 1871, at 8.30 in the evening, a spark was started in Miss O'Leary's barn. You remember hearing this story? And it is, um, it is believed that her cow kicked over a lantern. And when that cow kicked over that lantern, it started a fire that in the end, when it was finished, had burned down 17,500 buildings 300 people were burned to death. 125,000 people were left homeless. And all the way back in 1871, they estimated the damage to be at $400 million. All of it started by one spark. And James says, this is how our words are. Hear the word of the Lord today. Another story I read in 1903, a pan of rice boiled over onto a charcoal fire stove in a small home in Korea. 
And before that little charcoal fire had done its damage, 3,000 buildings were totally burned to the ground within a one square mile area. Let's go back to James 3 and 6. Now listen to this verse because this is going to be the key verse of the sermon today. This is the key verse. James 3 and 6. The tongue is a flame of fire. It is full of wickedness that can ruin your whole life. It can turn the entire course of your life into a blazing flame of destruction for it is set on fire by hell itself. Welcome back, Pastor Farrell. (laughs) Um, Pastor James here is not mincing words, is he? James, the apostle here, is not pulling any punches. He's putting it out there. We go to Proverbs 15 and 28, and we find in the Old Testament that uh, writers much earlier than James backed up what James is saying. In Proverbs 15, 28, it says, the mouth of the wicked pours out wicked, evil things. Notice that, not just the mouth, but the mouth of the wicked. You say, well, I'm not wicked. See, you don't really understand your potential for wickedness. You don't really understand how far you can go when you begin to move away from God. Sin will take you further than you want to go. It'll leave you longer than you want to stay, and it will cost you more than you want to pay. The mouth of the wicked, not the mouth of the person who is under the control of the Holy Spirit, but the mouth of the person who has said, God, I don't need you in my life. I don't need your word in my life. I don't need your presence in my life. I don't even know if I believe in you. That mouth has the potential for wicked, evil things. Proverbs 16, 27. An ungodly man, not just a man, but an ungodly man. A man, a woman, a boy or girl, and that doesn't mean a male, it means a human. A human, an ungodly human, digs up evil. And in his lips there is what? Burning fire. Everything the fiery mouth of the wicked touches is set on fire and the fire spreads. It multiplies. Proverbs 26 and 20. I love this verse. Where no wood is, there the fire will go out. So where there is no tail bearer, the strife ceases. Amen. Isn't that good? Isn't that good? Some of the best tail bearers in the world go to church. They all come to the second service. Isn't that true that some of the best tale bearers, some of the best gossips that you've ever met in your life are on the all-star list? They go to church. Can I preach like that? You see, I'm behind, so I've got to catch up. The picture here is that the tale bearer or the one who passes on the evil report, and I've been that person. Y'all look spiritual. We, I think from time to time we've all been that person. The person who passes on the evil report, the person who slanders, the person who gossips, the person who tells the lie is like wood that fuels that fire of destruction. Proverbs 26, 21 says, but as coals are to burning coals and wood to fire, so is a contentious man to kindle. That word kindle means to nurture or feed strife. 
Wouldn't you hate to have the reputation of a person who kindles strife? Wouldn't you hate to have the reputation of a person who nurtures division? I pray to God that that would not be the legacy I leave behind. Gossip, slander, contention are shown to be like a fire that devastates. We go to Psalm 52 and 2 and we read the words of David. The tongue devises mischief like a sharp razor. Look how the writers of the scripture, both Old Testament and New Testament, talk about the damage. Talk about the, the, the pain, the, the destruction that the tongue can inflict. Let's go on in Psalms 52 while we're there and let's read verses 3 through 5. He says to those who devise mischief and, and speak it and use their tongue to devise mischief, he says, you love evil more than good and lies more than truth. You love to say things that harm others, you liar. Wow. But God will strike you down once and for all. Listen to this sentence right here. This will make you have cold chills. He will pull you from your home and drag you from the land of the living. Mm. I ain't real sure what that means and makes me tremble. We're reminded here that God, in, in Psalm 52, 3 through 5, that God is going to judge those who use words to hurt other people. I've been that person. I've been that person. If you are that person today, look at it, face it, repent, and turn to God. He will forgive you, and he will heal you, and he will help you bring your tongue under the control of the Holy Spirit. And the people of God said, we go over about five chapters into Psalm 57 and 4, and we find this verse, I am surrounded by fierce lions who greedily devour human prey, whose teeth pierce like swords and arrows, and whose tongues cut like swords. Job 19 and 2. You know, Job was sick, and he lost his family, and his wife left him. And then his friends came to visit him from church. And with friends like Job's, you don't need enemies. Because the first thing they said was, I had a cousin who had that and he died. That's what you want to say when you go visit somebody who's sick. Wow, I think you're a goner. They all came over and talked about, maybe you've sinned. Maybe you've done something wrong. Maybe you're paying for some great sin. And Job says, how long will you crush me with your word? Here we read of the devastating power of the tongue. The tongue is a devastating thing, and it must be kept under control. Let me read a quote from Morgan Blake. Listen carefully. I am more deadly than the screaming shell from the howitzer. I win without killing. I tear down homes, break hearts, and wreck lives. I travel on the wings of the wind. No innocence is strong enough to intimidate me. No purity pure enough to daunt me. I have no regard for truth. 
No respect for justice, no mercy for the defenseless. My victims are as numerous as the sands of the sea and often just as innocent. I never forget and seldom forgive and my name is gossip. That's why in Proverbs 10, 19, the Bible says, he who restrains his lips is wise. Amen, amen. Don't be fueled. Don't be fueled. Don't believe everything you hear. Can I just bring you under conviction today? Does it excite you to hear something bad about somebody? Does it excite you especially to hear something bad about somebody you're a little bit jealous of? I don't want to be like that, do you? I want God to draw me so near to him that when others suffer, I suffer. Even if they're unbelievers, even if their suffering is because of their own sin, I don't want to be glad of their suffering. I want to weep because of their suffering. Now let's go back to James 3 and 6. I'm going to show you some things and then we'll close today. James 3 and 6, this is where the text is. This is where the the body of our sermon is coming from. And today we're focusing on verse 6. Look what James says. I'm going to read it from a little different version than I read from a while ago. And the tongue is a fire. And then he says four things. Y'all are so shocked that I have four things, aren't you? He did it. You'll have to blame it on James. And the tongue is a fire. Here it is. Number one, the very world of iniquity. The tongue is set among our members as that which defiles the entire body. There's number two. Sets on fire the course of our life. There's number three. And is set on fire by hell itself. This verse again, broken down into four parts for us. And I want you to follow me carefully because the four points warn us about the peril of the tongue. And what you're gonna see in this verse that I'm about to give you is that it all starts with your personal destruction, but then it moves to the destruction of all of you. And then it moves to the destruction of others in your life. Watch what James says. Number one, He says the tongue is a system of wickedness. Now that's a strange title for a tongue, a world of iniquity. World of iniquity here refers to a system of evil. And what James is saying here is that the human tongue itself is a wicked system. Let me read a quote. Listen to this quote. The tongue is an unrighteous, hostile, rebelling order within our human body. See, when you understand this, and you you might be sitting out there going, man, I I know I say the wrong thing sometimes, but good grief, pastor. I mean, you're really making it sound bad. You you may not have used your tongue in a way that has brought great destruction. What I'm saying to you here this morning is that the potential is there. That's what I want you to understand today. And I want you to also understand today that apart from God, you can't control it. That is what James is trying to say to us. Now, I want you to hear me because James is talking to the church here. James is not talking to all the people out there who aren't in church today. He's talking to us. He's talking to Christians And listen, he is going to be very graphic here because he's trying to get the church's attention. He says the tongue 
itself is a wicked system. Let me read this quote again. The tongue is an unrighteous, hostile, rebelling order within our humanness. It is a whole potential evil that falls short of God's standard. It is the focal point, this is important, it is the focal point of your behavior. It is the focal point of behavioral unrighteousness within man. So what he's saying right there is what you say, you eventually will do. It inflames all of our capacities in its effort to bring the whole person into its wicked system. Our tongue is the microcosm of evil among our physical members. You have hands, you have eyes, you have ears, you have feet, you have organs of your body. Your body is fearfully and wonderfully made and the rudder of this great being is right there. No other bodily part has such far-reaching potential for disaster as the tongue. So the first thing he says in verse six is that apart from God, the tongue is a system of iniquity, a network that breeds evil. Now it expands, now it expands. Look at the next thing he says in verse six. He said, not only does the tongue, not only is a wicked system within you, but it defiles the entire body. We've already touched on that a little bit, but I want to give you this illustration. The tongue itself is a system of evil that quickly moves on to defile the whole body. It's like something that comes from fire, smoke. Think of the smoke of fire. What a fire doesn't burn, it stains. I remember one time I heard about a fire sale that a place was having, and I didn't have much money back then. I was in Bible school, and they said, man, if you want some really cheap clothes, you need to go to the store, and you can buy these clothes that all that happened was they got a little smoke on them. So I went and found a coat that fitted me, and it was $9. Nothing wrong with a $9 coat if it's art. The only thing wrong with it, it had two things wrong with it. It was Carolina blue. <laughs> this was the 70s, bear with me. And it smelled like smoke. But I thought if I can get that thing... To a, to a dry cleaners, I can get that smell out of there. I wore that coat for two or three years, and it always smelled like I was on fire. <laughs> what words don't burn, what words don't destroy, words will taint. Smoke stains everything it doesn't burn. James is saying that a raging fire, what it can't consume, it will stain and put its foul, putrid odor on it. Y'all with me out there? James says the tongue is set among our members. This means the tongue is included within all of the human capacities and the tongue, when it is not under the control of the Holy Spirit, stains the whole body. See, if you use your mouth wrong, but you go feed the hungry at the soup kitchen, it's not the same. Here's what people want to do. A lot of times what people want to do is continue to use their mouth for evil, but use their body to do good and justify the wrong use of their mouth. Can I preach in this church today? Can I preach in this church? 
James is saying again, it is set among, it defiles. It's a, the word defiles is a very vivid word. It, it is only used in Jude 23. Jude has no chapters. So Jude 23, and it means to pollute. So what fire, are you with me? What fire doesn't burn up, it pollutes it. What the tongue doesn't destroy, it stains. Look what Jesus said in Mark 7, 20 through 23. Jesus said, anybody interested in what Jesus said? Jesus said, that which proceeds out of the man, that is what defiles the man. I'm in Mark 7, 20 through 23. For from within, out of the hearts of men proceed the evil thoughts. And then he starts saying, how our body reacts to our words, fornications, thefts, murders, adulteries, deeds of coveting, and wickedness as well as deceit, sensuality and evil, slander and pride and foolishness. Listen to this, listen to this last sentence. All these things proceed from within and defile the man. Powerful words. So mark it. Jesus is saying to us right here that a polluted tongue will pollute the whole person. Sins of the tongue defile the whole person. Let's go to the third thing. It expands again. It expands again. Everybody with me out there? You see how it affects just you and then it defiles your whole body. Now let's look at what it does. The negative effect of a sinful tongue goes on to beyond your person to your entire life. Verse 6 goes on and tells us that a tongue not under control of the Holy Spirit will set on fire the course of your whole life. It's right there in that verse. Studying the original language gives us a better translation. It doesn't say it will. It actually means that it is setting. It is present tense. Your tongue not under the control of the Holy Spirit, it, it is not saying that it will set it on fire. It is saying that it is setting on fire the circle of your whole life. What does this mean? Sins of the tongue go from the body and touch every participant in the circle of your life. You you know one reason you need to control your tongue? You need to control your tongue for the sake of your church. You need to control your tongue for the sake of your children. You need to control your tongue for the sake of your family, for the sake of your community. Listen to me. For the sake of your own testimony. You say, well, I, most of what I say is upbuilding. I, I, I'd say, Pastor, 95% of what I say is upbuilding. And, and, and I might say bad things about 5% of the time. I remember what Dr. Vance Havner said about that. He said, if I put a glass of milk up here and told you 95% of it was good milk, but 5% was arsenic, would you drink it? Follow the process now. The sins of the tongue start in your mouth, then it reaches beyond your mouth to stain your entire person, then it reaches beyond your person to touch the whole network of people that are in your life. This thing called gossip, rumors, slander, false accusations, lies, evil speech, it stains, it pollutes, it destroys a family. It will destroy a group of people, it will destroy a church, a community. And let me take you to the final thing. The evil tongue is fueled by Satan himself. Now, I know that it's Sunday morning. 
And I know we got visitors here, but I'm telling you, James lays it on right here. And we better get it. This is the most devastating statement in the Bible on the danger of the tongue. James says to us in verse 6 that the tongue is set on fire of or by hell. Well, I just, I'm not sure I believe in hell. Well, I don't know what to say to that. Read your Bible. This is present tense. The tongue that is not submitted to Christ is habitually being lit by hell itself. James is making a description of the power of our tongues as graphic as he can. Why, why, why? We've already said it one time. Because he's talking to the church and he's trying to get their attention. Here's what he's saying. He's saying that when you are willing to use your tongue in the wrong way, Satan is there to help you. He's there to assist you. He's there to fuel. See, he can't make you sin. I know some of you have been reading from the book of Flip Wilson. You remember him? What did he say? The devil made me do it. Well, he can't make you do anything. He will tempt you, but you must choose it yourself to do it. Once you do, then he will assist you to go deeper and deeper and deeper. Then the Bible says he becomes your accuser. The very one who led you there then turns on you and says, look at you how filthy you are. God doesn't love you. God doesn't want to be around you. And we hear it, don't we? And we feel that way. So we say, I'm not going to church. And I'm not going to the altar. And I'm not going to pray because I've disappointed God. Remember, he is the one who tempts. And then when you fall, he leads you deeper. And then once he gets you where he wants you, then he turns on you. My goodness. Wake up, church. The word for hell here is Gehenna, and Jesus, when he talked about hell, and actually, Jesus had more to say about hell than any other person in the Bible. Jesus always used the word Gehenna to refer to the eternal place of burning where lost souls go. Gehenna is that place where the fire never goes out, where the worm never dies, where the thirst is never quenched. It is eternally a burning place. Now, I did a whole sermon series on hell, the forgotten truth. And if you would like to study more about that or investigate that doctrine more, I would encourage you to, to get that uh, sermon series. Now, let's talk about Gehenna. How many of you remember a guy in the Bible, a young boy king named King Josiah? Anybody remember King Josiah? Do you know that most authors believe he was eight years old when he became the king? And he was a man of God. He was a royal ranger. That's how old our royal rangers are. And they made royal ranger, a royal ranger, the king. And when he became the king, they set him up on his throne. I don't know about that, but anyway, he's up on his throne. And he 
put a stop to ungodliness. How many of you know revival can come through the children? Through the children. When I get discouraged, I get a little down and out, all I have to do is come to Whitley and watch the children run and play. And then it gives me new excitement. I don't feel like I'm 54 anymore. I feel like I'm 24 when I see the little children. That's why when y'all have little babies, I, I, I put them under my nose and just, because I'm taking in that youth, <laughs> inhaling the youth. I want to see Zane right after the service today. <clears throat> But in 2 Kings 23.10, the child king Josiah comes along and brings a great revival and he led the children of Israel, the people of Israel, back to God. And one of the things he so despised that they were doing was uh, worshiping idols. And involved in this idol worship was human sacrifice. Listen to me. See, See, sin will take you further than you want to go. It will leave you longer than you want to stay, and it will cost you more than you want to pay. These people had gone so far away from God that not only were they offering human sacrifices in worship to the god Moloch, but they were expressing this worship to their god Moloch by offering their children. And young King Josiah stopped all the worshipers of Moloch from burning their children alive. The god Moloch was a bull. He looked like a bull in his image that they had created. And he had outstretched arms. And in those arms was fire. And they would lay their babies on the arms of Moloch. And when James gets ready to tell us how potentially dangerous the tongue is. He goes to this and he talks about Gehenna. Joseph or Josiah put a stop to these demonically inspired sacrifices and they occurred in a place called the Valley of Hinnom. The Valley of Hinnom. So from the very earliest times, the Valley of Hinnom, listen carefully to this now, the Valley of Hinnom was a place of burning, a stench in the flesh, a stench of the flesh of little children. The Jews then came to regard this place with deep hatred. It was a very deep valley plunging off the plateau upon which the city of Jerusalem sat, and it became the city dump. Even to this day, even to this day, garbage and refuse, the dead bodies of animals and criminals were cast into the valley of Hinnom, which was Gehenna, Hinnom, Gehenna. It had a terrible stench, sickening, the combination of garbage and burning flesh. And the place became known as Gehenna of fire because the fire never went out. Now listen to me. Re remember what we're talking about this morning. Jesus wants us to know, or James rather, wants us to know that the tongue we all possess in our mouth is a tool of Satan that he wants to use to pollute our whole body, to corrupt our whole circle of life, and it comes right out of the pit of hell, and it leads right back to the pit of hell. And Satan is there when you are willing to let your tongue run rampant 
when you are ready to let your tongue go anywhere it wants to go and say whatever it wants to say, and you say things like, well, my mama was like that. Well, your mama was wrong. James here, ladies and gentlemen, is literally pleading with us because he understands the tremendous potential of the tongue to destroy. David speaks of it in Psalm 55, 20 and 21. Look at this, these two verses. As for this friend of mine, he betrayed me. He broke his promises. His words were as smooth as cream, but in his heart is war. His words were as soothing as lotion, but underneath what? Daggers. It's telling us that even sometimes the tongue is so subtle that we think what we're saying is helping. See, it's so subtle, so deceiving. You say, well, I'm a Christian. Congratulations. You say, well, my tongue is sanctified. Hallelujah. But you know what your tongue is? Glorified. And it won't be glorified till you get to heaven. And that same tongue that you sing praises to God on Sunday morning, if you don't submit it to the Lord every morning, you can use it to stir up the very fires of hell itself. Lamb of God, Lord Jesus, start with me. Start with me today. Who am I to preach to these people? Who am I to say when I know I have failed you myself so many times? I have failed you myself so many times. There are people sitting right here, right now, this morning in this service that I have hurt deeply with my words. And I repent before them and I repent to them. And I repent before you. And I repent to you again. Use my mouth, O oh God, only for good. Holy Ghost, take over my life and start in my mouth. If you're here today and you do not know Jesus Christ, that is your first step. Just ask Jesus right now, Lord Jesus, come into my heart. Lord Jesus, forgive my sin. Lord Jesus, I need you. I need you. You died on the cross to pay for my sins. You rose from the dead to give me new life. I've been running from you, Jesus. I've been offering up my flimsy excuses and putting you off, but not today. I need you. And I receive you right now as my personal Savior. And I receive your forgiveness of my sins. And I ask you from this day on to come and live in my heart. Because sin will take me further than I want to go. It will leave me longer than I want to stay. And it will cost me more. 
than I want to pay. So Lord Jesus, I receive you as my Savior today. With every head bowed and every eye closed, if you prayed that prayer to receive Jesus, would you just slip your hand up quickly and put it right back down. Just slip it up very quickly and put it right back down. God bless you. God bless you. Church, look up. Let us thank God for what he's done here in our services today. You are dismissed.